Well, good morning, Hope. It's good to see you guys on this fall September day. It's uh, nice to be able to just say God is good, isn't it? Just to say He loves us. That song we just sang, I, I cannot get enough of that sometimes. His love never fails. You know that? He never gives up on us. Isn't that awesome? Listen, guys, we're so glad to see each of you here. Uh, I'm looking to my left here, and I see a future married couple. I have to just call you out here, uh, Stephen and Megan, uh, Doyle Sprawl. Uh, it'll be Doyle later. Uh, they're getting married next month, and we are excited about that up in Pittsburgh. All right? Yeah? Come on, give them a hand with our newest couples. Excited for them. God's got great plans for their life. Well, you'll appreciate this then, uh, because we've been doing some counseling, and you'll, you might hear some things today that may ring a bell in your mind. But there's, there's a phrase I want to I put before you this morning that I just want you to think about, all right? It's going to be kind of the impetus for the next few weeks, and it simply says this. It says that everyone ends up somewhere, but few end up there on purpose, I'm going to say it again. We'll get that just sinking into this. is going to be kind of the, the, the setting the ground for these next few weeks. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few end up there on purpose. Pray with me this morning. Father, God, today we thank you that, Lord, we have this newness of life, oh God, that comes, God, from your grace toward us. God, I thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege, God, to do what we're doing even right now, God, and that is just honoring you with our lives and, Lord, learning of you through your word, God, and worshiping you together. Lord, I pray today, God, that, Lord, we will all, Father, just open our hearts, our minds, God. Lord, we'll allow your Holy Spirit to just uh, not only inspire us, God, but shape us and change us, God. Lord, for the future you have for each one of our lives. And God, we just commit ourselves to you, God. Let your word speak deeply into us. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, at, at Hope, this may seem strange to some, at Hope, we consider today kind of the beginning of the new year. It, you know, forget December and January. We, we start in September because that's when we started Hope Church, a little over six years ago. And uh, we recognize some seasons in life that almost make more sense than our calendar seasons do. Because something I know about this, it seems like in the, in the fall, we, we all kind of start getting back into some habits, getting back into some flow of life that actually is good for us. Because we come out of that summer season where beaches on our mind. Can I get an amen to that, right? You know, we're just getting away a little barbecue, getting away a little, little space, you know. And then we get in the fall, and all of a sudden we recognize that in many ways we've kind of gotten stuck in some habits that many times can take us far from where we want to be or far from where God wants us to be. So as we enter this new season, we're going to kick it off with a new series, a teaching series, and we've entitled it Unstuck. How many know what it means to be stuck? You ever been stuck in your life? Stuck in a relationship? Don't look at your husband and wife right now. Stuck, stuck somewhere financially you didn't really want to be or never thought you'd get there, right? Stuck somewhere physically. There, there, there's these places in life that if we're not careful, we get stuck. And, and if, we, if, we, if we try so hard, we want something better. <laughs> we want something better. But it seems like the harder we try, the more we end up in the same place, right? The harder we try, it seems like we just end up in the same place. And here's my heart to you today. I don't want to come around to September 2015 and you're still stuck. And you're still right where you were when I spoke this on September 21st, 2014. So I want us to look at today of how we get unstuck. How do we move from the mundane into the meaningful part of life? I know a little bit about getting stuck. In fact, we almost titled this series Ruts uh, because some people call me the king of ruts around here because I, I think some ruts are good in life. Can I get some agreement with that? It's okay to wear the same pair of jeans all week long, men, isn't it? That, that's a, that's a, yeah, come on. 
It's okay to eat the same thing for breakfast for the last 25 years. It's okay to be stuck. Some of us are comfortable in that. But there are certain places in life we cannot be stuck. And one of those is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he is dynamic, right? He is leading us always into a greater place in him. So one of the things I know about being stuck is I grew up uh, down a dirt road. Now, we don't see that a lot today, but to get to my house in College Station, Texas, four-wheel drive was required at certain parts of the year because you never knew what the road was going to be like. And we learned how to get unstuck a lot because, you know, my first car was a 73 Ford Bronco. Can I get a yeah? That, that's, that was awesome. Roll bar, no power steering, no power brakes. Denise, I let her drive it once. She almost put it through her dad's garage. I mean, you know, it's just a great car. And the reason my dad gave us that is he knew we would get stuck. And there's something you need to know about getting stuck. What people do when they get stuck is this. They just try harder. You know, they they put the gas pedal down, the wheels are spinning, they're thinking somehow it's just going to pop out. But here's what you need when you get stuck. You need a plan, and you need a power that's greater than the power you have right now. And I'm going to tell you, it's the same in life. To get unstuck, you need a plan, and you need a power that is greater than you. So today, we're going to talk about what it feels like to get unstuck. In fact, we're going to focus on one thing today, and that is we're going to focus on what is our there. Remember, everybody ends up somewhere, but few get there on purpose. And so today, we're going to focus on what is your there. In fact, we're going to use the scripture out of Proverbs, Proverbs 29, if you want to turn there in your Bible today. And what we're going to look at is, is what is it that God wants you to see in this new season? What is it God wants you to be that will propel you forward to fulfill God's will for your life in this season? Because here's the thing, if we don't seek God for the there, if we don't seek God for the vision for our life, we probably end up doing some foolish things, nobody say amen there, that will lead us somewhere we didn't intend to go in the first place. And instead of experiencing the freedom that God has for every one of us through Jesus Christ, we end up stuck in regrets wondering what happened. Now, we're going to help you out these next six weeks because not only are we going to teach about this here, but every week we have community groups that are meeting across this area that are focusing on a teaching called the God First Life. It's a very simple teaching that gets us focused on how God wants us to, to live and, and, and experience him. It's based out of Matthew 6.33. You don't need to turn, it'll be on the screen. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, I, I could almost take an altar call right now, and I could call some of you out and say, if you want to get unstuck, Get in a community group this year. Get in a community group these next six weeks and let iron sharpen iron and grow together and experience new life in Jesus Christ. And that is a good place to say amen, all right? Right there. So here's the question, all right? How many of you would say today that in a year's time, next year, okay, let's, let's, let's project it out a little bit, you would like to be closer to God than you are right now? Thank you for that warm response. We'll get you saved later, all right? You know, experiencing the dynamic life that he has for us through Jesus Christ. Okay, simpler one. If you're married or you'd like to be married, uh, how many would think a year from now you would have a better relationship than you have right now? Can I, can I see some hands? Don't get too enthusiastic next to your mate. How, how many of you in a year from now would like to get out of debt? Yeah, that one. We, yeah, yeah. So that you'd have freedom to be more generous towards the things of God. Hey, that, that changes it right there, right? How many in a year from now would like to be in better physical shape than you are right now? 
You know what I'm talking about? Like you get invited to a swimming party, you can actually go. Yeah, that's the kind of shape we're talking about, right? So, you know, there's some things that we can get stuck in that that God wants to change us in. Because here's something you need to understand about all of those. None of those things happen by accident. They don't just happen. Your marriage doesn't get better by accident. Your, your finances don't get better by accident. Your, your body doesn't get better by accident. You have to have a vision for what God wants in every area of your life. And that's why in Proverbs 29, verse 18, very familiar to those that have been in church in a while, it says this, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish, perish. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, where there is no dream, the NIV says people cast off restraint. They, they just kind of are driven by the, by the waves of life. I like the way Eugene Peterson said it in the, in the message translation. He says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And I want to tell you guys, that is the definition of a lot of people's lives. They're just stumbling over themselves, hoping something's going to change, but having no plan and no dream that it'll get any better. See, where there's no vision for a relationship with God, we become lukewarm. And we just go through the motions. We can clap and sing the songs, and yet nothing happens on the inside. Where there's no vision for our family, marriages end up being more like roommates than they end up being lovers. Where there's no vision for our finances, we end up in debt that literally imprisons our lives to where we have no freedom to be what God wants. Where there's no vision for our physical bodies, we eat junk, we drink too much, we heap more stress on ourselves than we should ever bear, and we wonder why these bodies break down the way they do. I have a feeling that teaching on the physical body is going to be a fun one in a few weeks, all right? All right? I'm not going to tell you what it is. You might not show up, all right? Because here's the thing. In this series, I'm believing that God is going to give you a vision for five different areas of your life, and these are not in order, so don't plan your weeks on this, okay? He's going to give you vision for your spiritual life, how we relate to God, He's going to give you vision for your relationships, how we relate to each other, your finances. He's going to give you vision for your job, for your professional life. And he's going to give you vision for your physical life, how this temple of the Holy Spirit can be made to honor God. So we're going to keep going forward to help you know how to get unstuck and pursue God's vision in every one of these areas of life. But today, we're going to focus on one thing, and that is simply this. What is your there? What is your there? Because everyone ends up somewhere, but few end up there on purpose. So today we're going to talk about how do you discover you're there? How do you, how do you get a hold of that vision for what's ahead of you? And to do that, we're going to look at two areas this morning. So if you're taking notes, you're going to write this down because I'm going to give you some assignments through this process that I think will help you grow in your, in your walk with God today, okay? So to get unstuck, the first thing that I think you have to do is this. You need to define your values, you need to define your values. With the, hope, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you need to define what are the spiritual values that God has placed in you? What, what is it that gets a hold of you? Because here's the thing. There are some things that you seem to care about more than anyone else cares about. In fact, some things move you so deeply or challenge you or upset you so much that it makes you wonder why other people aren't as fired up about it as you are. Maybe there's a value that God has in you in that area. In fact, it could be that, that maybe that when the Lord formed you in your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139, and he ordered your days, that he put this very passion in you so that at this moment, at this time, in this generation, you would walk this earth to make a difference in the area of passion that God has put in your life. You see, you've got to define your values. You've got to know what you stand for. What do you value? 
You know, when we look in the Bible, we can see examples of people that had strong values for certain things. I look back in the Old Testament, I think about Samuel the prophet. Samuel had this value of integrity in his life. So much that at the end of it, he was able to look at his people and say this. He said, if I've ever done anything wrong to you, tell me. I'll, I'll make it right. He valued integrity. That was a part of him. King David. King David valued a lot of things, but the thing he's known most for in the Bible is his desire for intimacy with God, right? He was known as a man after God's own heart. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David valued the presence of God. What did did Solomon value? Anyone help me out here? Wisdom, right? He was offered anything he wanted. Name it. When you love for God to give you that. Just just name it. What do you want? And Solomon said, I'll take wisdom, God. Let's let's go modern day, a little, little closer to home here. What do you think Billy Graham values? Don't say library. What do you think Billy Graham values? Evangelism, right? He can preach John 3, 16, the same way as preacher for 50 years and 50,000 people get saved at a stadium, right? I mean, it kills us preachers. We're just like, how does he do that, right? He values evangelism. Mother Teresa, what does she value? Compassion, mercy, right? Truett Cathy, Chick-fil-A founder. What do you think he valued? Y'all want to say the obvious, don't you? You just know it can't be right. Really, like chick, chick, chicken, right? <laughs> he valued bringing glory to God through excellence in everything he did. It's in their mission statement. Read it next time you go to the Chick-fil-A, right? What about you? What, what, they, what would people say is your value? What would they say defines your life? I'm gonna give you two questions that'll help you figure that out this morning. And then the first one is this. What is it that you love deeply on this earth? What is it that you love deeply on this earth? For me, God put a great love in my heart for the local church because I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I'm, I'm convinced of that. That is, my, that is my passion that God has in my life because it's in the local church we can find love and acceptance and forgiveness. We can find a family that's better than our physical family sometimes, right? We, we can experience the fact that we are better together than we ever are apart. That's why I love the local church. In fact, last Sunday was the sixth anniversary of the beginning of Hope Church. Can you get a woo-hoo? Come on, right? It's, we had a little birthday last week, and uh, we turned six years old. We still make messes. We're still fun to be around, right? But I remember the first meeting at the Hampton Inn. Anybody here today that was at the first meeting at the Hampton Inn? Let me see your hands. There's a few of us. And I never will forget it for this one reason. I walked in, and I'm doing the work the room thing, right? There are like 12 people there. And I'm working the room, 15 people. And I'm working the room, hey, glad you're here. Never met you before, glad you're here. And I shake a guy's hand. He looks at me and goes, I don't know why I'm here. In fact, I hate church. I said, wow, this is going well. I was like, well, you know what? God hates some things about church too, and so do I. But I believe there's a better way because the church is still the bride of Christ, and he called it beautiful if we'll only let him shape it in his image and not our own image, right? That's a pretty good answer, wasn't it? So he gives us flowing, right? Because I, I just believe in the local church. I love the local church. That's why I'm involved 
in starting new churches through the ark and through the assemblies of God. It's why I get myself engaged in helping other pastors. There's a passion that God has put in me. I love it. My friend Curtis Hickey, he started Bread of Life International because he had a love for the children of Ecuador. So much so that they sold their house, moved down to Ecuador, he and his wife, and they formed a, uh, feeding stations all through Guayaquil and started churches. My friend Manny Ohonami from Samaritan's Feet, he loved the fact that education set kids free in many countries. And to get an education, they had to have a pair of shoes. So what did he do? He wants to give away over a million shoes around the world, and God's driving that through his passion. Some of you love discipleship. You love taking someone from here to there, and that drives your life. Some of you like serving others. You're just like the first one, like, when are we going to Second Harvest? What are we doing? You like, you like serving people. Some of you like being generous. It just comes out of your life. Because what you love deeply reflects the heart of God in his creation of you. It's what God puts in us that grips our, whole, our soul. So the first question to ask is, what is it I love deeply? And the second question defining your values is, what is it that makes me righteously angry. Anyone ever been righteously angry? I'm not talking unrighteously angry. We're good at that, aren't we? I mean, I've got some unrighteous anger, I'm telling you. You know, we all have these pet peeves, like people that drive slow in the left lane. Can I get a witness, right? Uh, People that don't value time and are always late. People that talk in movies, I'm moving on. Uh, And people that throw trash out their window, let God judge them deeply. Deeply, deeply, deeply. I think there's a certain place for them. Anyway, I get worked up over things that are unrighteously anger in my life, but there are righteous anger things that God has put in us. Because when you see something and it breaks your heart, it gets you fired up. Some of you get righteously angry when you see a child that's hungry, right? Some of you get righteously angry when you see abuse of any kind or lack of education. Some get righteously angry when they see poverty. Quick fact, last year Americans spent on Christmas alone enough money that we could have provided fresh water, clean water for everybody in the world. Think about that as you plan your shopping coming up. Some people get angry over social or racial prejudice. Some get angry when they see a typo in the PowerPoint. I hope we didn't have one today. Because you value excellence. It's part of who you are. You don't like seeing things done in a slipshod way. These things should make all of us angry, but for some of you, they consume your life. That just might be the value God has in you. That just might be the value you need to get a hold of. And what I want you to do over this week as you kind of let this message get into you, I want you to take time to write down about four to five values that you believe are in your life. What are the things you love and what are the things that make you righteously angry? Because those are the areas that just might become the there that God is calling you to focus your life on. As we go through this series, it's going to help you drive even decisions when we start talking about these practical areas. Let me give you an example. Someone might write down that you value time with your kids, right? I value family. I value time with my kids. So that might take you to simplify your life, downsize your house, live with one car so that both parents aren't spending all their time at work so that maybe you actually are living out the value you claim to have. Because you see, there's something you need to understand about values. They don't do a lot of good unless we live by them, right? What, what good is a not lived out value? It's easy to say that something is valuable, but our life choices and our life actions often don't show it. Remember Peter in the, right before Christ was crucified? Peter was the one when, when the, it was going down, right? It was like they were coming for Jesus. What did he do? He said, I'll never leave you. Do you rest these turkeys there and they'll bail on you, Jesus? But you know what? I, I never will, right? And what did he do? He denied Christ three times to people that had no impact on his life whatsoever. 
It doesn't help us to have values if we can't live them out. Some would say we value the kingdom of God. But I challenge you to look at your calendar and your checkbook, and it reflects quite often the only kingdom we're living for is the kingdom of, of us. We're not living out the value God has in us. So we've got to look at these things and say, all right, God, what is it that you want in my life? What is the value? What is the there you have for me? I put this on the screen for you today. It says the distance between the truth you know and the truth you live equals the pain you experience. Some of y'all might want to make that a refrigerator statement right there, right? The distance between the truth you know and the truth you live equals the pain you experience. That's why being lukewarm in our walk with God is so hard. It's a very hard place to be. Why? Because we know what the truth is, but we know where we're living, and it causes pain in that, in that distance. So we've got to move to not only define our values, but we also have to live them. Here's the second thing this morning that I want you to do. First, we need to, to define our values, but the second is we need to discover our, our mission, all right? We need to discover our mission. At Hope, we have a, a very simple mission. You hear it every week. We exist for you to encounter God. That starts right there. That's why we do our worship the way we do here. It's why we don't hand you earplugs and say, hang out and have a nice concert. We want you to engage and experience who God is in an encounter relationship. We want you to experience hope through Jesus Christ. We want you to engage in what? Mission. That's what this series is all about, isn't it? We've been focusing a lot on encountering God lately. We've taught about the work of the Holy Spirit. We, talk, we talked about prayer. We talked about worship the last couple of weeks. Now we need to turn that encounter into an engagement, and that is engaging the very mission God has called us to, to fulfill on this earth. So a mission is simply this. In one sentence, you write out, this is what my life is about. This is what my life is about. We call it your elevator speech, right? Someone looks at you and says, hey, what are you about? Well, you only have like 10 seconds to tell them, right? You don't have like five minutes to flesh it out. Well, I'm kind of about crafts, and I'm kind of about flowers, and I'm kind of about, yeah, rainbows and unicorns, and, uh, you know, I, and they're just like, please hit the button, get me off this count, you know, elevator. Now, you need to be quick. I'm about this. I'm about Christ. I'm about his resurrection, his life. What is it that makes you you? Why are you here? Why, why are you here even right now? Again, defining that mission. The apostle Paul in Acts 20, verse 24, had a clear statement of mission. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of, here's his mission, testifying to the good news of God's grace. How many know that's the mission of every believer? Can I get your hands up this morning, right? But that was what Paul did, right? I mean, you read his story. The guy was whipped. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was, he was snake bit. The guy couldn't catch a break, but he was never deterred from his mission. And that was to testify to the good news of God's grace. If I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may. Jesus, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came that we may have life and life to the full. He came to do the will of his Father. He was mission-driven. See, our mission is really our there. It's, it's, it's that, it's that, we're going to end up somewhere, but few get there on purpose. Our mission is really the there. Mine, I, I wrote it down, I, I can't ask you to do this if I don't do the same. Mine is to expand the kingdom of God through the local church. That, that's been my mission ever since God called me in an altar when I was 22 years old. It's to expand the kingdom of God through the local church. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. I, I'm not a social worker. God called me to expand the kingdom of God through the local church. It's why we plant churches 
It's why I lead a local church and serve as a pastor. I, I got out of that mission for about three years, and, uh, and you know what happened those three years? I realized my mission was back over there, not where I was, and I had to get back to it. You know why? Because if I stayed in that place that wasn't God's mission for my life, I would have literally lost out on the best days God has for me. Because mission not only defines us, but it leads us into the joy of serving God. I, I, my heart breaks when I see the local church struggle. I get angry when the local church is criticized. I just do. I don't think there's bad churches. I think there's bad choices that are made sometimes in churches, right? But I don't think there's bad churches because the church is you. The church is the people of God. I invest in younger pastors. I, next, next Saturday, we get to go and assess church planters. And contrary to what Pastor Kelly, the, who came and spoke here, said, I'm, I'm not the most feared man in the Assemblies of God in North Carolina, okay? I just know you're not going to plant a church unless you sit in front of me. That's kind of how it works in our organization because I assess whether or not some people ought to be planting churches or not. That's okay, right? It's okay to assess. Y'all are like, oh, my God. Is he assessing us right now? If God calls you to plant a church, I will. But I think some of you just might ought to. Just saying. It's why I oversee churches in South Charlotte and Albemarle and Apex. I oversee a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Today, Joe Bevelacqua and his wife, Kaya, with New Chapel, are celebrating one year old of planting their church. And I'm telling you, that's a time to celebrate right there, isn't it? Because God is doing something new in a, in a town that needs the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So what is it that is your mission? What is it that really gets a hold of you? Here, here's a question or an exercise that may help you to find that in your life. If money was no object today, and I'm going to lose you on this and you're going to start dreaming. If money was no object for you today, what would you do? Think about that for a second. Just, okay, you're, you're, you're kind of filtering through. You're like, all right, what's the right answer Mike's looking for? Don't say new boat. Don't, don't, don't say new house. Uh, what is it? I mean, if you think about it as a, as a believer... As a follower of Jesus Christ, if that was really asked of us, then if we're really mission-led, if we're mission-driven, then something in there is about the kingdom of God. It's not about just building a bigger house or getting a boat or a second house. It's about maybe establishing hospitals and good medical systems in West Africa where Ebola is wiping out a generation. Maybe it's about, uh, about digging water wells in, in, in communities where they have no fresh water or volunteering time in the inner city or establishing orphanages or, or becoming a missionary. There's got to be something in that mission that is God-driven because here's the thing. If our greatest vision of the future is selfish and materialistic, then honestly we don't get why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us and rose from the grave. We don't get it. We don't get it. This world is not our home. We're passing through. But while we're passing through, we need to make it better. Would you agree with that? And we make it better and we live out the mission God has called us to. Because why? Everyone ends up somewhere, but few end up somewhere on purpose. Church, it's time to get unstuck. To not just live to be or to live to exist or live to get, but to catch God's vision for every area of our lives and get there so that others may get there in heaven because of you. You see, when we are mission-led, we follow what God has created us to be, then others are going to come along and they're going to see Christ through us. 
They're going to experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is flowing through each of our lives. But we have to start out by just getting down to that place of saying, well, God, what is our there? Francis Drake prayed a prayer that I want you to see this morning. And it's a prayer that I, it's just captured me these last few weeks, and I, I pray it over us. And it says this. It says, disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we've sailed too close to the shore, disturb us, O oh Lord. When's the last time you were disturbed by something you saw? When was the last time you were disturbed by, by maybe something you heard? When was the last time God unsettled your spirit and just said, there's something more I created you for? What is it that is your there? Because you gotta know where it is because we're gonna all end up somewhere, guys but very few are going to end up there on purpose. Now, I, love, I love the Olympics. I don't think I've ever said that here, right? I love the Olympics, right? And there's a great story. It's a sad story, but yet it's a, it's a story that I think just so today cements what we're talking about. And it took place in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. Remember, anybody remember the 2004 Olympics in Athens, right? Uh, great, great thing. There was, a, there was an American uh, Olympian who was one of the best shots in the world. His name was Matthew Emmons. You're not going to see him in Pepsi commercials. You're not going to see him on Sports Illustrated or anything else. He, he was on track to win the gold medal in the 50-meter three-position rifle final. I know y'all live for the 50-meter three-position rifle final, right? Forget track and field. Forget uh, soccer. We're just going to watch the 50-meter three-position rifle final. But anyway, he prepared for this moment his whole life. And he came to the last station, and it was going to be the shot of his life because he was so far ahead. Can you get this? He was so far ahead. All he had to do was hit the target. He didn't have to get a bullseye. He didn't come close. He was so far ahead. All he had to do was hit the target. So he took time. He aimed. He sighted it. Took that deep breath, and he let off the fire. Pulled the trigger. The shot rang out, and he waited because he should have heard an alarm go off that says hit. And it never went off. And, and he stood up, he was confused, he didn't know what was going on, and, and, and he, all of a sudden he recognizes that he had hit a target. Here's the problem. He'd lined up on the wrong target. Instead of shooting the one in his lane, he shot the one in the lane next to him. And he hit it in a direct bullseye. But yet he missed, because he was shooting at the wrong target. He went from first place to eighth place. Again, only in sermons do we know his name. He hit the right shot, hit the wrong target. Here's the thing, guys. One day, every one of us, we're going to stand in front of a greater judge than any judge that's ever judged the Olympics. One day, we're going to stand before the one who created us, who put dreams and visions in our heart, who the one who, while we were in our mother's womb, ordered our days. We're going to stand before the one who wants us to, to be about the there, and, and we're going to have to give an account and tell him about a life. And the one thing we don't want to hear from our God is, you know what? You hit the wrong target. That's why it's important that we know where our there is. It's why it's important that we get unstuck. And we don't get unstuck by just trying harder. We don't get unstuck by just trying to give more effort. We get unstuck by taking time and letting God define in our lives what he wants in our relationships, what he wants in our finances, what he wants in our, in our spiritual walk with him, what he wants in our bodies even, what he wants in our jobs. And letting God lead us in a way that those things become something that, that are not just perfunctory, that we just go through day by day, but they become the very places that God uses us to let our light shine so that others may see him 
and glorify our Father in heaven. So to begin this series today, I just have one simple question for you. What is your there? What does that look like? What is your there? Every one of us has it. Every one of us needs to find it. What is your there? And our there, honestly, guys, it's more than being saved. Can I tell you that? That, that's, that's, that's hard to, to say because we know salvation is the ultimate of what God's grace and gift to us is. But it's more than being saved because all of us need to be saved. Can we get agreement on that this morning? All of us need to be saved because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short, what, of the glory of God, His standard, His, His level of excellence. We've fallen short of that. And the reality is we can't work hard to close that gap. Not a single one of us can, can, can run harder, try harder, read more, pray more to close that gap between where God is and how far our sin has separated us from him. But that's why we call the gospel the good news, right? That's why our there needs to include the gospel somehow because it's good news. Because that gap that was caused by our sin, Christ already closed that gap for us when he died on the cross for our sins. So that no matter how far you think you are from God, no matter what you've done in your life, God invites you today to call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will be cleansed. You'll be made whole. You'll become uh, like the Lord. You'll become one that, that walks in a way where the Lord is the Lord of your life. I promise you this, guys, he'll do it. He did, he did it for me. If we took time this morning, we could all tell stories of how we came to know Christ. And the only reason we would do that is to encourage those that have not yet to recognize that's where life begins, isn't it? That's where life really starts taking off. Because that's when you stop living for yourself and you start living for one who is greater than you are. And I'll tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. So what's your there this morning? What's your there this morning? I'd like you to just bow your heads with me for a moment here. We're going to pray together, and we're going to let God just kind of marinate that in us for a moment here, and then we're going to respond to God. But just bow your head right where you are and just ask that question. Hey, God, what is my, what is my there? What, what is my there, Lord? God, what am I here for? What is it you've made me to be? Because there's something I, I want us to all understand as we just take this moment before we pray. Just, just I want us to all to understand this. God it, it sounds so simple. God has a plan for our lives. We, we may have heard that. Some have made fun of that thought. But I, I, according to Scripture, God has a plan for your life and for my life. And that plan begins when we accept His Son as our Savior and our Lord. And His plan for you is different than His plan for me. His plan for you is different than the plan He has for your husband or your neighbor or your child even. But He has a plan. And our desire over these next few weeks is we get a hold of that. that. We get a hold of what God has for us. We begin to see what the there is so that we begin, can begin to walk toward that together. So, Father, I pray you help us this morning, God. God, I pray that you help us as we begin this new season, oh God, of life and ministry. God, I pray you help us, God, that, Lord, we would, God, find our way to becoming unstuck. God, I know that looks different for everyone here, God, Lord, that are just, just taking this moment before you, God. I know that looks different, God, and we cannot project our, our place, our there on somebody else, God. But if we are followers of you, Father, if we've accepted Christ, then our there involves the kingdom. It involves the gospel, Lord. So, Father, I pray over your people this morning, God. In a moment, we're going to 
stand up and we're going we're to respond to God. But I pray over you right now. God, I pray over your people. God, there are those this morning, God, that just the very mention of the thought, could your marriage be better? God, their mind has not left that place, God, since it was said 15, 20 minutes ago. And God, I pray that, Lord, you begin to breathe vision into them, oh God, for their relationship this morning. You begin to breathe vision into them, oh God, of what God, your desire for their life can be, God, that, Lord, when you design marriage, God, you design it as, as the greatest reflection of, of sacrificial love, Lord, that you could have on this earth to point people toward you. But God, we've let, allowed sin to mess it so much up, God. God, for some this morning, God, and that, well, just that mention of finances, God, they just tensed up. God, I believe you have a plan for finances, God. I believe, oh God, that, Lord, you have an entrustment to us, oh God. And you have a pathway, God, that you've given us concerning finances, God, that will either free us, God, or we ignore it and it imprisons us. So, God, I pray in these next few weeks, God, we start seeing a breakthrough, God. God, in some people's lives, God. God, we start seeing a breakthrough, oh God, in those areas of bondage. For some this morning, your, your greatest place of stuckness, which is not a word, it's your walk with God. It's gotten stale. It's gotten empty. It's gotten just something you do. But I want you to hear this morning, God wants to put a fresh vision in your heart what it can be like to walk with him what it can be like to hear his voice, what it can be like to become a worshiper of the Lord, our God, what can it be like to, to experience the power of his Holy Spirit, what it can be like to be his vessel that is used for his glory, to be his hands extended, to be his heart. It beats for those that are far from him, that beats from those that are, that are hurting, that are broken. Father, I ask this morning, God, whatever our there is, God, let it become clear to us. God, let us be strong enough, oh God, in our faith to recognize, Lord, that we can't, we can't get there without you, God. God, we can't get there by trying harder, God, but we can get there by just stay, taking a time to commit it to you, Father, and saying, Lord, order our steps. Show us the way, God. And God, we will trust you. God, we will follow you. If you would, just stand with me across this place this morning. And hope we, we have a time every service to to respond to God. As you stand this morning, just, just bow your head just a moment. This is, I'm just, I'm sensing something so strong and stirring in this place right now. We always ask two questions. At the end of our service, we ask two questions. We give you time to respond to those. And the question is, what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Because we believe the Word of God is living and active, and it has an impact every time it's heard or read. I'm just sensing this morning that there's some of you that have been struggling with your whole thought of, of coming to God, and you're like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm going to get there. And everything in your mind is about how you're going to get there, but you're still not there. Can I tell you, there, there's only one way to get to God, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't come in your own efforts. It doesn't come in your own goodness. It doesn't come in your works. It doesn't come in, in how nice you are. It comes only one way, and that's surrender. Where you just say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. 
Lord, forgive me of my sins and, and become Lord of my life. And the scripture says that's exactly what he does. He does those very things we ask. But it's not by our own effort. It's only by our acceptance of his love for us. So this morning, as the band leads us in this final song, I want you to let it kind of get in your spirit. Just let these words kind of get into you. And then I want us to take a moment to respond. For some this morning, that response may not be just running up here and grabbing communion, but that's a powerful response. Because when we respond to communion, we recognize without the body and the blood of Christ, we would have no hope. We come and we celebrate hope together. But for some, it may be actually sitting back down and going, God, I have no idea where there is. And I've been chasing it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. God, I'm not going to stop seeking till I find them there. Be tenacious. But whatever it is God wants you to do, maybe going to the cross, maybe seeking prayer, whatever that there is, let's be open and honest before God this morning. Father, help us now. God, help us to be responsive to you, God. God, help us to, Lord, not only determine our values and live them out, God, not only to know our mission, God, but to walk in it, but God, help us even in this moment, God, Lord, to respond to you in a way, God, that recognizes your hand upon us and, God, your call in our lives. Father, anoint this song. God, let it, let it speak to us. God, let us honor you, God, in our response today. God bless you.